This is The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Welcome to Hour 2 of The Truth with Sherwin Hughes. Nicole, I hated to cut you off, but I had to to take my end-of-the-hour break. So while we go here, early literacy connection to incarceration. Literacy and crime are connected. That's from the Department of Justice. Quotes, the link between academic failure and delinquency, violence, and crime is welded to reading failure. Over 70% of inmates in America's prisons cannot read above a fourth grade level. Did y'all... You hear that? If the child can't read in third grade and you advance them to fourth grade, you haven't made statistically a success story. You've made an inmate. Now, also add in lack of parental involvement and parental participation. Because here's the thing. These kids who are just a little bit below reading level or they're just they need a little bit more enrichment. That's the parents. No, you can't. No, no, baby. No, no, no. You can't play the video game. We're going to read tonight. No, 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 no. We ain't going. You ain't going to your friend's house. We're going to go to the library. We're going to get some fun books and we're going to read them. We're going to make an afternoon out of it. Then we can go out to lunch. And that's what we're going to do. Oh, the summer's coming? Okay, well, good. You can play with your little friends, whatever. But on Saturdays, we're going to go to the library. We're going to get us some books and we're going to read the books and we're going to talk about what we read in the books. That's all you got to do. That's it. That's it. But if they're not proficient in third grade, you advance them to fourth grade and they don't get on grade level, which is really tough to get them proficient in the previous and on or excelling grade level in the current grade. Very, very tough to do that. You're not making a succession. You're making an inmate. Now, I also know that how some curricula are designed, some children are not going to excel. I am an example. I shouldn't have graduated from Browning High School. I had a 1.4 grade point average, and I failed algebra. Like, failed bad. It wasn't close. I failed algebra. But my algebra teacher, Mr. Peter Sherfinsky, because I remember I took my final exam, and it was one of those exams where I need to get like an A plus to hopefully bring my grade above passing so I could get the little three credits so I had enough credits to graduate. It came down So that algebra exam, when it was the last scheduled algebra exam that year, Brown Dare High School, 1993. So all the other kids left. They were gone because that was the last exam block. They all went home. I stayed to sit with Mr. Sherfinsky while he graded my test because I needed to get a, I did terrible on the test, but I just, I couldn't leave. I couldn't walk away not knowing what my grade was because I was just racked with anxiety and with fear and my parents and my grandma all looking forward to me to, to graduating from high school. And I was like, it comes down to this test. I remember I sat real next to him. Still remember what his cologne smells like. That's how close I sat to Mr. Shafinsky. And he was always a real jovial guy, but boy, did I give him hell my freshman year, my sophomore year. I regret that because I didn't understand his class. So I acted up. Right. So I sat next to him. He's like, okay, let's see what we got here, Sherwin. Oh, well, no, we got that one wrong. Well, no, that one doesn't check out either. And it just check mark, check mark, check mark. I felt my eyes 
welling up with tears because I was not going to get the grade that I needed to pass the class. Now, what the hell am I going to do telling my family I can't walk across the damn stage because I'm not going to get my diploma? So he scored the test. I got like a 69%. I failed it. I didn't get a B plus. I didn't get a C minus. I failed it. And he looked at me and said, sure, and I'm not going to do that to you. I'm going to pass you. You're going to get your credits. He said, go make something of yourself. On April 21st, I'm going to be honored by my high school and going to have my name and my likeness put on a wall of inspiration as a Brown Deere High School graduate who did something with his life. There's a lot of teachers that expected me to come back to Brown Deer High School, probably to repeat bits and pieces of 12th grade. They never expected me to come back like this with my name on a plaque forever and for all to see. There are some students who are very gifted. They're black and gifted. White teachers just can't recognize it sometimes. And sometimes the best thing that they can do is to free that child from the confines of an educational curriculum that does not ex- does not expect or recognize black genius. Oh, you, you know I'm telling that story. Don't let them give me a microphone when I get my plaque on the wall. Don't, don't let me. I'm going to tell it all. There were teachers that believed in me, and there were teachers that didn't. And I remember the teachers when I got a little older, the teachers that believed in me that I would see around would tell me. Because, t- you know, teachers are monsters. Do you, you all know that? that some teachers are just they're evil, how they talk about our children. They're, they're dastardly. Like, they're, they're sinister. Like, they hate. You know, do you all know this? That when the teachers lounge, they would talk about horrible kids, and there were teachers that really supported me, they believed in me, they saw something in me that I did not see in myself. They would tell me, oh, sure, we know these teachers. They'd say this stuff about you, but I never believed it. My world history teacher, Mr. Fred Sibick. He also was my freshman football coach, so he saw me both in the classroom and his world history class. He also saw me on a football field. When he found out I was going to be on the wall of inspiration, he, I ain't talked to Mr. Sibick. So his son found out I was on the radio a long time ago, and his son was like, oh, I'm Fred Sibick Jr. I'm Fred Sibick's son. You know, my father used to talk about you. It really warmed my heart because he was just a cool dude. He was cool. T- he was young, too. He was relatively young. He's probably in his 20s when I was a freshman. Maybe his late 20s, maybe his early 30s, but he was relatively young. And Mr. Sibick had reached out to me when he found out I was going to be um, my plaque was going to be placed on the Brown and High School Wall of Inspiration. He said, "Sure, when I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and come. I'm gonna try and be there at the ceremony." Cannot tell you what that did to me. Cannot tell y'all that warmed my heart. Education is everything, ladies and gentlemen. And if these children cannot read, and we are passing them on, knowing that they cannot read, knowing that they do not have functional literacy, more often than not. We're making an inmate. Thankfully for me, I've always had astronomical levels of reading comprehension. I remember when I took my Iowa test in fourth grade, and I look back on this, and it was nothing but racism. See, I grew up, and I look back on my life because i got a fantastic memory, which I guess is good and bad. So it's a blessing and a curse. And I remember some of the things that were said to me. I remember some of the situations that I was put in. This is as a child. Now, now I reflect back on it, and I was harmed. But I didn't know because I was a child. 
Do y'all know that my Iowa test scores were off the charts? In the fourth grade, I had a better than 11th grade reading level, but they didn't put me in gifted and talented classes. They left me in there with every damn body else. So you know what happened? I got bored. I wasn't challenged. I should have been in high school when I was in fourth grade, but I didn't get that opportunity. I just was a good reader, good reading comprehension. Imagine if a rigorous curriculum was thrown at me when I was 10, where the hell I would have been at 30. That's besides the point. But a lot of times my boredom turned into like behavioral issues. Like I was just, it was just, it didn't in, like excite me. It was just boring. And I got bored. And I'm also very social, and I clearly talk too damn much. So guess what? I get in a lot of trouble. And if you get in a lot of trouble, in the back in the day, a teacher could grade you based upon your test performance. They could grade you based upon your homework, grade you based upon extra credit, or they could downgrade you based upon your behavior. Which one of those do you think I got? I thought I was dumb. No, it's just my teachers and the system I was in was racist. Because they knew I would outcompete their kids. That's why a lot of public school teachers don't send their kids to public schools. Because if you're a public school teacher, especially if you're a union-affiliated public school teacher, ain't no way you gonna allow these black kids from broken homes to get the kind of academic enrichment that they need to be competitive with your kids. Are you nuts? That's the whole point. Y'all gotta see this as a complete system. The husband of the teacher the teacher is not providing the academic enrichment. Hell, the whole school, the whole curriculum is not providing the academic enrichment or has the ability or even want to recognize black genius, so they don't want to do that. So they're going to make sure your kids do not get what they need, okay? But then her husband, the teacher's husband, is a cop. So when they're in the school, the wife has you, the teacher has you, the administrator has your kid. Going to make sure they don't get what they need. Going to discipline them and kick them out of school and and give them a CO and expel them. And when they get out of school, guess who's waiting on them? The cop. Her husband. So she's the teacher doing her part to making sure that child is not academically successful. Then the cop is waiting when they get out of school to throw them in jail. Oh, it's perfect. And what do we say? What do we say? We need more police. We need to feel safe. We need no we need more po- police as they churn out kids who are not getting the academic enrichment that they need to be on grade level. Think about what we're doing, y'all. We're asking for more police to criminalize the kids that we aren't teaching to read. That system is perfect for them. It's broken for us. Additional statistics show Low early literacy skills and incarceration, according to the National Assessment of Adult Literacy, two thirds of students who cannot read proficiently by the end of the fourth grade will end up in jail or welfare. Eighty five percent of all juveniles who interface with the juvenile court system are functionally low literate. Juvenile incarceration reduces the probability of high school completion and increases the probability of incarceration later in life. Students who drop out of high school are five times more likely than high school graduates to be arrested in their lifetime. Students who drop out of high school are 63% more likely to be incarcerated than their peers with four-year college degrees. 
I'm going to take a break. When I come back, I'm going to give you the statistics for the Milwaukee public school system. Stay tuned. The Truth with Sherwin Hughes will be right back. It's The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. School District 5225 West Fleet Street. You want the phone number? 4758002. Milwaukee School District ranks among the top 20% of public school districts in Wisconsin for diversity and size. That's it. They rank in the top 20% for diversity. And the size. So it's big and it's black and brown. Okay? So at least it's in the top 20% for something. For the 2023 school year, there are 158 public schools serving 71,510 students in the Milwaukee School District. The district's average testing ranking is 1 out of 10, which is in the bottom 50% of public schools in Wisconsin. Public schools in the Milwaukee School District have an average math proficiency of 12% versus Wisconsin public school average of 37% and reading proficiency score of 19% versus 39% the statewide average. Minority enrollment is 90% of the student body, which the majority is black, which is more than the public school average of 32% majority Hispanic and black. So it's a black school district where the kids are three times less likely proficient in reading and math. There you go. That's all you need. That's all you need. That's it. That's all you need. Number of schools in NPS, 158. In the state, there are 2,259 schools. Number of students in NPS, 71,510. Number of students in Wisconsin, 830,501. Number of teachers in NPS, 4,130. Number of teachers in the state of Wisconsin, 59,668. Student-to-teacher ratio remains the same statewide and in NPS, which is 17 to 1. Milwaukee School District, which is ranked within the bottom 50% of all 439 school districts in the state, um, based off of combined math and reading proficiency testing data, The school district graduation rate of 67% has increased from 58% over five five school years. Oh, so there you go. But here's the thing. So, yes, that's good. It's a good statistic. Yay, we're graduating more kids, 67%. 33% are not graduating. But of the 67% that are graduating, how many of them can read? How many of them are proficient on math? I used to wonder and so did you why i need to know math i don't need to know all this math i just need to know how to count money you dummy if you don't know math you ain't gonna get no money oh let me do you one better let's say you get diagnosed with type 2 diabetes and you don't know math and you cannot calculate calories and carbohydrates you're gonna die so you're dead so you're right you don't need to know math because you're gonna be dead 
there is just as much math importance in functioning as an adult as there is reading. In fact, you got to read to know math. I remember saying that. I'm like, what an idiot. I don't need to know all this math and would justify not doing my math homework because my child brain didn't understand or comprehend that math is everything. Can't build anything. Can't measure anything. Can't even order a damn couch if you don't know how to measure how much room you got for the couch you got. You got a couch that don't fit in the room. Got to keep the couch outside for the homeless people to sleep on because you don't know math. Couldn't measure the damn room and got a couch from Colders and it's on the street because you're dumb. Let's talk to Dion, the non-voter. How are you? Sherwin. Dion. I find that I find that very at first it was like funny, but now it's it's starting to become disrespectful. Why you want to disrespect me? Anyone disres- if you feel disrespected, that's a huge problem. My mama, you and you know what? You correct though. So when I go on here and that's a you problem. I don't feel like I'm being disrespectful, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, check it out, though, right? I'm glad you was talking about that earlier. So um, sometimes a lot of us, we really can't phantom or think or put in perspective that slavery wasn't that really long ago. So you got to understand when Reconstruction hit, it was 4 million people, as they say. Now, I wasn't there, and I ain't look up the, the, uh, the census, but they said it was 4 million people that were enslaved. Could you imagine... Let's, let's just say right now, if they let 4 million prisoners out of prison, just let them go. They don't have no place to go. They don't have no form of employment. They don't have nothing. You understand what I'm saying? So, like I was telling a brother last night when me and him was talking, the system that's in place now, it, it, it's still working the way that it was because they was talking about how Chevy Johnson ain't got no control over the city and ain't no jobs here. You know, like I said, I watch the news all over from here, Memphis, New Orleans, Houston, everywhere. We I hear the same thing. High violence. There. Some of those cities are really, really terrible, though. Like in Houston, you can kill somebody and be out by 12 o'clock. That's how, you know, I mean, that's the system they got designed. But I hear it all over. It's violence, it's violence, it's violence. One thing for sure I know, these people won't come up with a new law. I know that. Because I remember right before truth and census kicked in, that's before I, I was convicted of my felony drug charge that you try to slander me all the time about, but that's neither here nor there. But I know these people are going to come up with a new law, so we better be prepared for that. Just like they always be talking about reckless driving. You know, I might be considered a reckless driver because I do occasionally speak because people can't drive. They can't. And I, I got places to be. So all that fidgeting around, you taking all day, I ain't got time for that. You, you understand what I'm saying? But the thing about what I was talking about with the reconstruction are you talking about the system? The system, I don't I don't believe in order for this system to be broke, broken, and as you guys always say, we need a revolution, but you say black people we're not organized, we're not armed, so that's neither here nor there. I don't believe the system could be broken from the inside out. Now, true enough, Donald Trump almost broke the system, but he broke it in a I don't even know what type of way that guy did it. But he I mean that's why when I was listening to you talk one day, I was like, I wouldn't mind Trump being president again either because I would want the de- first of all, I'm not democratic. I mean I de- I mean I'm patriotic man whatsoever. I've never been patriotic in my life. Never, ever, ever. I hate when people be like, Well, if you don't feel like that, you I'm not going nowhere. 
Deanna, it doesn't matter whether you're a Democrat or Republican or whether you want Donald Trump to get reelected or Joe Biden to get reelected. You're not a voter. And also you would mention that they're going to pass another law and maybe they do pass another law that's disproportionately harming black men or people who have infractions on the record. But you're not going to vote against that law. So that law is supposed to harm you. So you can't complain. Like you can have opinions about stuff. But at the end of the day, like black folks, are, we're on the sidelines intentionally because we're watching all these people do all these things to us. And what do we do? Oh, well, I guess we'll just have to take it instead of getting up, getting involved and doing the bare minimum saying, oh, but you this know what, law and these lawmakers are trying to hurt my community. Well, I guess I'll just sit on the sidelines and let somebody else vote and hope they make the right decision. But you know what, though? You're a real smart guy. And I don't know. Maybe I might need to see it. I don't know. But from what, see, it's, this is the thing, though. If you have somebody that designed the name, they designed it. They know the blueprint. They know how to get out of it. The, we didn't design this political system. So us playing a part in it, yeah, it might make some small benefit towards us. But in the majority, because we're not the minority in the United States. The Europeans are the majority. So if they feel like their rights are being infringed upon and they want to keep uh, another class of people subservient to them, they're going to come out in the masses and vote. So I don't care if I vote, my dead grandmama vote, my my dead great-grandmama vote, all my dogs voting. It's not enough of us to make a difference. Wrong. Wrong. You know, this, you know, you got three automatic elections that's coming up in April that are like 70 percent black and black. Well, we're not the majority. Yes, you are. But here's the problem. We don't know how to use the majority because too many of us sit on the sidelines. So there are like in the nation. No, we're not the majority, but we're the majority in cities. We're the majority in certain districts. We're the majority in certain metro areas. So even when we have the power to influence the ballot box, we still don't do it. And white folks are not going to encourage us to do it. It's black folks like me that's telling us, no, no, we actually have some power. But, like, I'm tired of putting a damn alarm clock in the cemetery. If black folks don't get it, that there's a direct connection between our lack of participation and people steamrolling over us. And I'm just going to have to let you all get flattened. I'm doing all I can. So I'm just going to let you go ahead and get flattened. So listen, okay, if, if it makes a difference, why we ain't got it? You, you keep on saying. Dion, I can't engage why in this conversation with someone who intentionally doesn't vote. Like, it's, it's, it's pointless and it's a waste no, of I'm air time. And if you th- if no, I have no, to just, explain it to you as a as a middle aged man, then there's there's my words are not going to matter. If you have not seen in the course of your lifetime the places where higher voter participation has got higher home ownership, higher incomes, higher level of education, uh, longer people live longer, infant mortality is lower, hell, marriages even stay together. And if I gotta explain that to you, then I just I can't I can't do it. I can't. I just got to do other stuff. I got to talk about other things. Like I should not be the one to explain to a middle-aged black man who's lives in this exact same country as me the importance of being participatory and taking the power that we have, using it and harnessing it to make our communities better. And if you have not learned that along the way, there's literally nothing I can say. Like I'm not here to convince you. If you don't already see it, then well, next, I mean, what do you want me to do? Well, I definitely appreciate it, and I definitely enjoy your show Thank as you. always, and you always got some input. But I wish you would stop calling me behind the nine. No. Earn the title of being Dion the Voter. Now you Dion the Nine. JD, can you write a nah, poem about nah. Dion? Oh, no, we're going to get a poem about you. We're going to tell the world. Nah. 
You about to be famous. You're going to be the most famous non-voter on the planet. When you come to my funeral, you could do the eulogy and be like, that man never voted a day in his life. I I, I just don't care. I ain't even wasting my time. All right. Sorry. Thank you. But thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for call. From ProPublica.org, more people who lived in counties with low literacy voted, especially in tight races. It could potentially sway the outcome of elections. The ProPublica analysis found that as literacy rates in a county decline, voter participation also decreases. ProPublica plotted county-level voter turnout against the percentage of residents in each county with low estimated literacy levels and, again, against the share with high estimated literacy levels. And they found an inverse relationship between the two literacy groups. For the purposes of their calculations, the low literacy level was defined as the population that is at or below level one in indirect literacy estimates and high estimated literacy levels were defined as level three or above. Conversely, as the percentage of people with higher literacy skills go up, voter turnout increases. And I got a graph here and a chart. It's plain as day. Carrie, don't you think I don't know how to read graphs? I can plot a graph on the x-axis and the y-axis. I can show correlation, causation, and causality. Leave me alone. It's a, it's a algebra geometric. It's a shape. A, a per, I think you're saying it wrong. I don't know what a damn quadratic formula is. I don't need to know that. All I got to do is know how to count my money. Kevin says, um, hearing your school experience sounds just like mine. I went to Cudahy High School and had somewhere around a 1.6 GPA. Should not have passed multiple grades since middle school. Fast forward to post high school. I'm scoring 94 and higher on MATC's reading comprehension placement test. It took me having to pay my own education in order to take it seriously. I also couldn't be convinced that any of the things they were teaching were useful in the real world. So I joked around a lot and was there just for socializing and sports. Touche. But I had teachers that saw stuff in me. They're like, nah, sure, we're going to be all right. Um, Grant says, I finally figured out what MPS needs more Peter Scherfinski's. He's, I think he's dead. I tried to look him up and I couldn't, I thought I maybe found him because I want to thank him. But I, I don't want to find out he's dead. Like a lot of my high school teachers, so I was thinking about this not too long ago. There was a a wave of new teachers that came into Brown Deer in the late 80s and early 90s. Case in point, do y'all remember James T. Harris? Conservative firebrand had a talk radio show on WISN many, many years ago that moved out to Arizona and then became a talk show host out there. John McCain came to a, a walk, Waukesha rally and James Harris was at the rally. He made national news for this. And he actually went on a speaking circuit where he just got embarrassed by every cable news show he appeared on because he was an African-American man who was at this rally for John McCain and was telling John McCain, take it to Obama, really beat him. I want you to beat him. He was like begging John McCain. Do you all remember that made national news because people were shocked that an African-American man, number one, was at a Waukesha 
uh, John McCain rally in 2008 who was urging John McCain to beat what would be the first black president. But James T. Harris was my world history teacher. He was young, right? He was in his 20s at the time. But the teachers that I had in elementary school, okay, you think about this now. I started school, and it's easy to remember because I was born in 1975. So in 1980, I was five, and I was in kindergarten. 1981, I was in second grade. 1982, I was in third grade. So anybody born in 1975, the year signifies the grade. In 1987, I was in seventh grade. 1988, I was in eighth grade, et cetera, et cetera. So it's easy for me to remember. The teachers that I had in elementary school, that was back when teachers used to teach for 40 years. But you got to think about this now. My elementary school teachers probably started teaching just after World War II, and I was in their classroom. Could you just imagine the perspective that they had on black kids starting their teaching careers in the late 1940s? And here comes little black Sherwin with a little, little afro. My mama kept me dressed fresh. So I was wearing little polo shirts. I was wearing, I was wearing my hard-bottom shoes to school every day. They weren't going to allow me to be competitive. Ain't no way. All right, why don't we do this? I'm going to, I got so much more here. So the bottom line is we need the Department of Justice to fund education because the better literacy levels are, not only the higher voter participation we get, but the less people go to jails and prisons. The truth with Sherwin Hughes will be right back. This is The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Let me take you to a place I know you want to go. It's a good life. Robust body of research connecting educational attainment to voter turnouts. Quote, a person's level of formal educational attainment is a very strong predictor of whether they vote in elections, especially non-presidential elections, said Barry Burden, a professor and the director of the Elections Research Center at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. MPS ranks. (laughs) Who's worse than us? 431 out of 443 school districts in the state. Math test scores. MPS, 10% of the students are proficient. Statewide, 38% are proficient. Wisconsin is not exactly doing stellar numbers either, but they're doing two and three times better than MPS is. Reading or language arts test scores, 18% of MPS students are proficient, 39% proficient statewide. Graduation rate at MPS is 67%. Graduation rate statewide is 89%. The diversity score, oh, we're very high on that. 19,803. Hispanic students, 28% Hispanic students at MPS. Black students, 36,047 students, 50%. So let me me see me do a little. Let me do a little math here. 78% of the MPS students are black or Hispanic. So three out of every four. And then you've got 8% Asian, 
Native American students is too small of a number to calculate. Then, Amer- well, no, percent of American Indian students is actually 318. Asian students, 5,654. But their Asian students are different. They do better than everybody. Some Asian students are smarter than their damn teachers are. 19,803 Hispanic students, 36,047 black students, 78% of NPS is black and Hispanic. Good. Keep their reading and their math scores low so they're not competitive. They'll go to jail. Not all of them, but these are real good statistics if you want more black and brown people in confinement versus in the workforce. Because remember, jobs are finite. Good jobs are finite. High-paying jobs ain't available for everybody, so you have to limit the amount of people in the labor force. So if you make sure through a hook or crook that literacy levels stay low and all you have to do is not instruct the child, test them, see they're not on grade level, and then pass them. That's it. That's all you have to do. And then you can tell the parent, well, we don't want to hold your child back because that wouldn't be fair. That's all you have to do. And a parent be like, oh, thank you for passing my child because, boy, that would be embarrassing if they got held back. Yeah, if they got held back, they might be more competitive later on in life. They might actually graduate from high school. But instead, no, nah, they're going to steal a Kia. They're going to steal a Kia. And no Kia is safe when you have literacy levels this low. They just steal Kia. And that's the thing. Doesn't that show us that these kids have, have aptitude? Carrie, should I be taking a break right now? Am I good? What do you think? I'm not. I'm over? No, I'm good. All right. Lost track of time today. Good Life says, thanks for sharing your high school ceremony story, Sherwin. I appreciate you and happy belated birthday to you and Zach. Thank you. You have my attention on literacy. Thank you. Shama says, so instead of him leaving early enough to make it on time, he justifies reckless driving. Dion's a special case. I don't engage. I can't. Don't be offended by what I'm about to say. It's probably too late. Well, that's why I play a disclaimer on this show. You notice when you guys listen to the intros of other shows, I'm the only one with a disclaimer. Like these are my views and opinions, not not necessarily reflective of the staff and management of Good Karma Brands and our sponsors. Like this is this is me talking. I'm not in the business of explaining to black men who are middle aged, who are halfway dead. Okay. Why I got to vote? What that's going to do for me? Oh, it's too late. You've already missed too many elections, quite honestly. Like I can, I'm here for the people that want more, that want to do better, that want to know how the system works, that want to hear from somebody who has worked at every single level of government. I've seen it. I've seen all of it. And I was better off outside of government and dedicating my time, energy, and talents to helping the right people get elected instead of working for the wrong people. Like I, I, can, I can do more good that way. And then just talking about it and narrating the political process. But this is only for people that, that want to do better, that want to improve their communities instead of just talking about it. Oh, we ain't just talking about it all the time. We got to do better. We got to come together. Okay, good. I agree. What are you doing about it? I don't know. Nothing. I just, I'm not I'm not here to talk to you. No offense. There's a lot of other entertainment for you. I'm even going so far as like we need to identify the people who have lower levels of literacy. And then there's a way in which we can we can use an algorithm to do this because I see the levels of illiteracy. How do I see it? 
what y'all post on social media. There are some of y'all that have legitimate things, not necessarily you all, but some among us that have legitimate things you want to say and legitimate responses to news stories, not even reading the whole news story, but just reading, you know, the headline. Like people legitimately have stuff to say that's of value, but they're so functionally illiterate. The sentences don't even make any sense. And you can identify people that and they try so hard. They don't know how to use punctuation. They don't know how to use a comma. They don't know how to use periods. They don't know any of that basic stuff. So there is a way. You know when you accept a cookie on a website, right? They basically are. They're tracking your Internet activity all over the place. They got your IP address, and they're following where you're going on the Internet. They're seeing what you're clicking on, and then you're getting, like, advertisements based upon your Internet activity. And there's nothing illegal about it because whenever you click OK on the cookies, you're allowing that business or some business to follow you around the Internet so they can better understand your behavior. We can do that to determine people, their levels of literacy based upon the commentary that they post on these websites that they agree to utilize because they click OK on the cookies. And we need to target those people with some kind of academic enrichment, something, because we can find them because people that are like when I say illiterate, they still can read, they still can write, but their functionality is so incredibly low that something that's written above, say, an eighth grade or a ninth grade level is going to fly completely over their heads. If you want to keep knowledge and information from a large number of people in this country, write newspapers and journalism at a college level. There will be a whole section of this country that will not know Heads from tails of anything. Do you know that like other than like the New York Times and Washington Post, most major newspapers in this country are written at a sixth to eighth grade reading level? You know that? They have to. Otherwise, people are not going to know what's in the news. And sometimes these articles that are written and posted on the Internet that, you know, get all this controversy are written at such a remedial level. That's why they can get such a large number of likes and clicks and shares because it's written at such a low level level of literacy because if you wrote it at a college level people wouldn't read it they wouldn't know how to read it they wouldn't know how to read it and take a break come back take a couple telephone calls mr lee got Derek on the line see what they want to say you were listening to the truth which sure when he was on the new 1017 fm i'll be right back you are listening to The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Four one four eight zero three says, which DMV did you choose? I went to Mill Road. And there was an angry lady that was mad because the the picture taking machine, I, I guess that'd be a camera. Because they take your picture for your ID. And then once they take your picture, you got to sign your name on a little tablet. But the tablet wasn't working. So she take my picture. She said, sign your name on a tablet. I said, um, ma'am, there's, there's nothing on the screen. There should be a line on the screen. Sign your name on a line on the tablet. I said, no, there's sign your name on the tablet. And I had to pick the damn tablet up and turn it around and say, uh, there's no line on the tablet. So what does she do? She unplugged the tablet, plugged it back in. Damn thing hadn't even booted back up yet. What did she say? Sign your name on the tablet. I said, oh, ma'am, there's still, there's nothing on the screen. Sign your name on the tablet. I had to pick the damn tablet up again, turn around and show it to her. I'll be right back. 
And she just she walks away. She just walked to the back of the DMV. What the hell computer system do they have in 2023 where you have to physically get up, walk to the back of the DMV, disappear, come back seven minutes later? Okay. She comes back. She unplugs the tablet, plugs it back in. Now, can you sign your name on the tablet? Yes, I can sign my name on a damn tablet. So that's what happened at Mill Road. And then I'm the eye test. The lady wasn't exactly you know, clear with her instructions on how you read the eye test. And that was a whole mess, but I got it done. My driver's license. I got the real ID that should be coming in the mail. And then they said seven to 10 days or something. But until then I got a damn piece of paper. It's my driver's license. Like my, my plastic driver's license is expired and I still have it. But all I have is this a crumpled up piece of paper that's in my wallet. That's my ID. All right. What do we got here? Sir Chauncey says, sure, when I can identify, no surprise, you were that sharp as a kid, but they or and your parents should have insisted you be double promoted at least a couple times. I assume that like so many, your advancement was attributed to your upbringing, including the natural proper grammar usage that you were able to emulate from your parents in grammar school. I, like both of my siblings, was seriously advanced students in terms of reading, writing, and math despite hating algebra and only doing enough just to pass the class. Moreover, although my mom allowed the school to double promote both of my super smart sisters, both of whom graduated and were off to college at 16, she wouldn't let them... Hold on a second. Um... She wouldn't let them double promote me because she felt I was too quiet. Ultimately, because me and my siblings were always well ahead of our class and the manner in which public school systems taught back then, my mom made a great move by placing us in private schools prior to our high school days. So thank you for sharing that. But I want you to know how visceral the fight is to expand the Milwaukee parental choice program. In fact, if you are in favor of charter schools, even though MPS charter schools and some charter schools perform very, very well, and MPS takes the positive statistics from charter schools. Oh, y'all didn't know that? They hate charter schools, but if a charter school is doing well, MPS will add that to their overall statistics because MPS statistics suck. They're terrible. So I look at those numbers and I see how many black kids are going to jail and whose lives are going to be ruined forever because we don't invest in them when we're in school. We invest in them because we invest in their incarceration. Why? Because it's more important that they're locked up than educated. Full stop. You can't explain it no other way. We put our money where our priorities are. And so if parents want to expand the parental choice program, because I think it's only about 25,000 seats, where it's basically if, if you want to send your child to a private school that very well could be higher performing and you can't afford the tuition, the state will pay for it. Because what we're basically saying is just because you're poor doesn't mean that your child should be subjected to a lackluster education because we do see a correlation between higher levels of education and success overall in life, including less incarceration, uh, college attainment, et cetera. So like every category of life gets better when when someone has an education. So why do these MPS faithful want to stop any competition to MPS? Because if we keep your kids in MPS, we can control their futures of being inmates. If you leave the plantation, you may do better. 
So they want to keep you there. So they're going to urge Governor Evers not to expand a program that could get more children in different types of schools. But they use tuition as a barrier. Oh, you want to come to this school? Oh, you want to send your kid to this high-performing school? Oh, better yet, you want to send your kid to the school where teachers send their kids? You got to pay. Oh, you can't afford to pay? All right, we'll have a parental choice program. But oh, sorry, it's full. This is the system. We have to break the system in order for it to work. Let's talk to Mr. Lee. You're on the new 1017 The Truth. How are you? Well, how are you? Thank you. I am fine, sir. And how are you? Doing all right. <laughs> I hear That's all right. You sound good. You, you say it like I think it and like uh, we've had these talks before. Um, I just want to touch a little base on something that uh, Dion had said, and, he, and maybe this can add and help him. But um, and help those of us to who's listening. But he mentioned something about, oh, we're in a maze and someone built this maze. And OK, so that's a little profound. But when we understand that we're in a system and a maze that wasn't built by us, isn't it? Um, wouldn't it behoove us to take the advantages of at least trying to or, or not trying, but to manipulate it, to work on our behalf, to work on our favor? Um, that's what I believe. I believe that if we could, we're in, we understand we're in a system. We understand that there are these such things that are against us, but there is so much that is for us. If we learn how to uh, operate in uh, something that he calls a maze. That's right. Um, so I'm, I'm in agreement with you on that. And hopefully Dion, he's come a long way as he's explained to us, but maybe he can see that there's even more, to just being a part of the maze, but there's ways to maneuver and manipulate it. All right. And that I want to also touch base with the school thing. Um, I am a public school. I was raised in public school and uh, graduated public school on time. But uh, there was something that you said that uh, you mentioned about how a lot of these teachers may have come from out of the forties and fifties and, and, and they were around teaching us. And that reminded me of a teacher, and I'm going to say her name, and and uh, uh, and God bless if she's passed on, but her name was Miss Swanigan. And this woman, uh, she had the accent. Uh, uh, maybe those who think that could think that she was uh, Russian or Croatian. I don't know what her ethnicity was, but she wore the fur boots, the fur hat. She was just like what you would have seen on TV had it been, you know, part of that theme or show for that school, she was that teacher. Now, she she was a uh, a math teacher, um, amongst other things, but she specialized in teaching us math. And, I mean, this teacher would not say anything to me. But in lesson, you were a white student, she treated you like her child. Now, I didn't have, as a child, I didn't have anything against that. But a part of me thought, well, maybe I might be a little slow or a little fast. It, 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 it was short come, but nonetheless, that was my one of my experience in elementary with uh, such a teacher that could have come from out of that era. You know what I mean? You right. mentioned in the 40s or 50s and so forth. But other than that, I thank you guys. Um, you keep up the good work. Thank you. Um, and uh, <laughs> I got to look for something to eat. <laughs> good you. luck. All right. Good luck finding something to eat. I'm hungry, too, actually. Cool Breeze says, congratulations to 
we need to bring back are you smarter than fifth graders and maybe our children can learn adults something. Competition is a great thing in life. I grew up being competitive and it got me reading, imagining, and not wanting to fail. The truth was sure when he was a be right back. 